0: What is going on, everybody? The New England Patriots have officially clinched a playoff berth for this year's upcoming playoffs. I am super excited, and I know you are as well. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode, episode number 118 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I hope you all are having a wonderful day. You had a fantastic New Year's, and I must address the elephant in the room. And that is me not recording and releasing an episode on Friday, which was supposed to be episode 118, where today was supposed to be 119. However, like I mentioned in my apologetic post with New Year's Eve, I had so much to do around the shop, inventory, organization, this and that. It was a short day here at the shop. I wanted to record early in the morning. However, I just had so many tasks to do here at the shop. I'm really sorry. I really hope you can forgive me. I promise it won't happen again. It it sucks, though, because I I really wanted to talk a lot about the Patriots and what was coming up this Sunday. Unfortunately, I didn't get to give you a preview of this game. However, we do have this game to break down, and we're going to break it down in-depthly. Like I promised in my apologetic post, this will be an extended episode, what does that mean i don't know but we're going to be here for a little while talking about this talking about that because we do have a lot to talk about in regards to the new england patriots and what happened in week 17 of the regular season their last home game against the jacksonville jaguars obviously they go to miami for week 18 against the miami dolphins who have been officially eliminated from the playoffs however there is a lot a lot riding on that game not just for new england but for the rest of the AFC as well as just about every game in the AFC is going to matter a lot in terms of seeding, playoff positioning, who's in, who's out because just because the Patriots clinched their spot and four other teams did, we still have the Colts in the hunt. We have the Chargers, the Raiders, the Ravens, and the Steelers all in the hunt for the playoffs while the Titans, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, and of course the Patriots have already clinched their spot. So we have a ton of football to discuss about, as I have alluded here in the intro of today's episode, but I hope you had a fantastic New Year's, like I already mentioned. Hopefully you had a happy, safe, fun New Year's. We're able to celebrate the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, as that is still taking a little bit for me to get used to, you know, 2022, it'll give me some time. Just give me some time. I'll get used to it. I'll get used to it. Before we dive into anything Patriots related, I do want to briefly talk about my YouTube channel, the Murphs Car Town and Sports Shop YouTube page. I pose the question to you. Now I ask you, with a lot of curiosity, what do you if you if you have YouTube and you watch YouTube, which I'm assuming most people do, what do you want to see on the channel? Now I have no problem posting this video, that video, here's the podcast, here's a vlog. Oh, here's the podcast up there and keep doing that. I don't mind doing that, but I don't want to be negligent to what the people want to see on the YouTube channel. Now, the YouTube channel has gone a a little bit of popularity lately and I'm not trying to brag or anything uh, because I'm not trying to brag. But the reason why I mention that is because with more subscribers, more eyes, And with those more eyes, I want to give them what they want to see. I don't want to give them content that A, sucks, and B, they don't want to watch. I want to give them content that they want to watch, that they want to click. So whatever that may be, whatever kind of content that may be, let me know. I have a lot planned for 2022 in terms of the channel's content with a lot, a lot coming up, and I'm really excited. But just because I have stuff planned doesn't mean you guys can't give me ideas as well. Because like I said, with more subscribers, there's more eyes. And with more eyes, I want to give them what they want to see. Kind of sounds poetic a little bit. If I took the time to kind of really write that down, that could be really, really poetic. Hmm. Maybe. Anyways, that is really the only uh, update that I really have for the YouTube channel. I'm really excited. Thank you so much, everybody, for subscribing. If you have and if you haven't, please consider smashing that giant red subscribe button. Even if you don't watch the podcast on YouTube. Even if you don't, that's okay. You can still show your love and support by subscribing. And if you do subscribe, and you come to the shop and show me, I give you a free pack of cards. I've been doing that for the past week and a half or so. So if you want a free pack of cards, come on down to the shop, show me you subscribe to the channel, and I will give you one. Just my little token of appreciation, my little gratitude, because I do love every single one that is subscribed to the channel, because my goal from 50 to 100 250 500 you know just kind of so on and so on just let it gradually grow and i'm only going to be able to do that with your guys' love and support so let's do it with that out of the way let's talk new england patriots football what a game now we have to consider the fact that we were playing against the jacksonville jaguars before we say anything just know at the time we were playing the 2-13 Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously now 2-14. So we have to pause a little bit. But considering the fact that the Patriots were coming off back-to-back losses to the Colts and to the Bills, a win like this is nice to see. How much weight and how much stock can you actually put into it? I I don't think much. But still, 50 burger. Winning 50-10 to 10 is absolutely confidence building, chemistry building, character building, and it just gives you a lot of hope, optimism, confidence, and morale boost heading into a huge Week 18 matchup. Obviously, you can't look past the Dolphins. Just because you clinched the playoff berth does not mean you can look past the Dolphins and just be like, all right, let's just get ready for the wildcard weekend because the Patriots still have a shot at the number one seed. I'll get into it in a little bit when I talk about the playoff picture. But they still do have a shot at the number one seed. It's a long shot. A lot of things have to go their way. But it's something that is not out of the realm of possibility. Mac Jones threw 227 yards and three touchdowns, going 22 for 30. Really, really nice get right game for him. Patriots' offense started out hot, they started out hungry, <clears throat> excuse me, and they were able to deliver and get the job done when they needed to. I really liked what I saw from Ramondre Stevenson. 19 carries, 107 yards, and two touchdowns. Harris, obviously, still kind of dealing with his hamstring injury. So having the bye week with the number one will help get the team right. Hopefully, you can get off to the hot start against the Dolphins and you can just sit him unless unless he's already inactive. But like I said, we cannot look past the Dolphins. But these are things that we do need to consider moving forward since we are officially in the playoffs. One thing I really, really, really loved was the fact that Christian Wilkerson, number 17 for the Patriots, you may not have heard of him until yesterday, got elevated from the practice squad. Now, some may remember him. He was on the Patriots training camp team all preseason, and he played in the um, preseason. He looked very well. He was out there often with Mac Jones with the second team when the Patriots still had Cam Newton and Mac Jones. And Mac Jones and Wilkerson hooked up a bunch. And it was good to see him get his chance today. He had four receptions, 42 yards, and two touchdowns. He looked good. He looked really good. Nikhil Harry was a healthy scratch today. And Wilkerson made the most of his opportunity. Like I said, how much stock can I put into this Jaguars game? But when I see a kid from the practice squad get elevated and go four for 42 with two touchdowns, I put a lot of stock into that because that was his first NFL game. He caught his first two NFL touchdown passes, and he gave us an element in our receiving corps that we haven't really had all year. Now, he's no Calvin Johnson. He's no Mike Evans. I I understand that. But he's a good-sized body. He's quick. He can get open. And the best part is, is he can catch the ball. We've seen receivers on this team not be able to catch the ball at all. and Oh, my God. So I really liked what I saw from him. It was good to see him get an opportunity and he performed very well. I hope that we're able to see him next week in Miami and see what Mac Jones and Wilkerson's able to do in a second week. Because if Wilkerson does have the potential to be a, obviously not a number one wide receiver, but a number three wide receiver, I think that really helps your wide receiver room. If he can kind of give you, you know, four receptions, 42 yards, night in and night out. I'm okay with that. Patriots offense was clearly, clearly in charge of this game through and through. Like I mentioned, Stevenson, two touchdowns. Harris, two touchdowns. Wilkerson, two touchdowns. Jacoby Myers, a touchdown, going 8 for 73 with, like I said, a touchdown. But the one thing that we cannot overstate, now granted it's against the Jags, was the defense. The defense really stepped up, had a rebound, bounce back game after getting blown out. I don't want to say blown out, because they didn't get blown out. They got torched by the Colts, but then they tightened up. They sucked against the Bills. They couldn't get a stop. And as much as it was a get-right game for the offense, it was also a get-right game for the defense as well. J.C. Jackson, four tackles, one interception... Miles Bryant, he had three tackles, one interception. Kyle Duggar, one tackle, and an interception as well. So it was really nice to see the defense kind of step up. Jackson, four tackles. Van Noy, three. Jalen Mills, three. A bunch of other players with three and two. That's not the point. They held the Jags to 10 points. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars, yes. But like I said, it builds confidence, it builds chemistry, it builds morale built hope and optimism, all these little intangibles that the team needs moving forward. Because if they got blown out in this game, say it was the other way around, everybody on this team across the board would plummet in terms of confidence, hope, optimism. So getting a win like this in the fashion that you did really helps, gives you a little bit of swagger moving forward. Because even if the Patriots were to win this game 13-10, to do you really feel good about that game? Not just from not just from a player standpoint, but from a fan standpoint as well. Would you feel confident in beating the Jacksonville Jaguars 13 to 10? No, of course not. Now, obviously I didn't expect them to win 50 to 10, but I think 30 to 10 would have been feasible, would have been nice. I mean, I think that's the kind of win that they needed to have. A You know, a three-touchdown kind of margin of victory is something that this team really needed to accomplish over this Jacksonville Jaguars team, especially because it's a home game. If this game was in Jacksonville and they put up, you know, 31-10 to on the Jags, awesome. If they lost to the Jags in Jacksonville, oof. Imagine if you lost this game here at home. Oh, my God, you wouldn't hear the end of it. This game could have went wrong in so many directions, even if they were able to get a win. But the fact that they were able to do it by 50-burger and only giving up 10 points on defense, making Trevor Lawrence look terrible. All the power to the defense, all the power to the offense, the special teams all a little shaky. You know, uh, PAT was blocked. Uh, Jake Bailey fumbled a snap. So it didn't look all that great. But that's okay. That's okay, because the Patriots were still able to walk away with this win. That is the big takeaway here. It's about it's a game of wins. You need the most wins to get into the playoffs. Once you do that, well, albeit you know tiebreakers, this and that, wild card division, da 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 da. What I want to see from the Patriots on Sunday and I'll get into it on Friday's episode episode number 119 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk is although the Dolphins are eliminated from the playoffs now after a seven game winning streak and then losing they are officially out however they are still a playoff contending team they're not contenders anymore but they were for a long time they were a playoff contending team so that team still has a lot of credibility to them Seven-game winning streaks very impressive. Being 8-8 right now is very impressive. What I want to see from this from this Patriots team going against the Dolphins on Sunday is it's going to be a, a minor playoff game tune-up almost because, like I said, they're a playoff contending team. They have the pieces to be a contender. They clearly were for a month or so. What I want to see from this Patriots team is to go out there with poise, with energy – And with a playoff mentality. Give it a little playoff tune-up. Because I'll get into it a little bit later. But the Patriots have a shot at the one seed. But they have to win that Miami game. And it's in Miami. So go down there. Know what you need to do. Know the game plan. Execute the game plan. And win. All while having a playoff mentality. Because a week after that Sunday's game, it will be the playoffs. And more often than not, you will be playing on Saturday or Sunday, depending when the game falls. So go in there with that mentality, that mindset that this is a playoff game. Win or go home, to help you tune up. Because a lot of players on this team haven't been to the playoffs before. Mac Jones cl- clearly has it. Ramondre Stevenson. Damien Harris, his first year, he was healthy scratches uh, day in and day out. So he hasn't really been to the playoffs. Jonah Smith with the Titans he has. Bolden clearly has. Kendrick Bourne has with the 49ers. Jacoby Myers that one time with uh, the Patriots in 2019, but he didn't really play all that much. Hunter Henry I don't think has with the Chargers. Maybe one time with the Chargers. And then obviously players on defense, you have Jackson, Kyle Van Noy, Jalen Mills, Lawrence Guy, Jawan Bentley, Dante Howard, Devin McCourty. A bunch of guys have been there on defense. But however, you do have Adrian Phillips, you have Miles Bryan, Christian Barmore. uh, Let's see, Kyle Duggar, Chase Winovich. Guys that haven't been to the playoffs. I know Winovich has with the Patriots in 2019, but that's a couple years ago and times have really changed and it was only one game. It's not like a deep playoff run you went on. This team needs to be ready. We've seen this team not ready and unprepared before in games past. We've seen it against the Colts. We've seen it against the Bills. We've seen it against the Texans, even though they won that, you know, a few months ago. We've seen them come out flat. We've seen them come out unprepared. They cannot do this in Miami. They cannot do that in the playoffs. And it was good to see them not do that here against the Jaguars. Because if they came out flat, even if they still won, you know, twenty one to ten, but they came out flat, that's not a good feeling. It's not a good takeaway. Leaving Sunday's game. You have to go down to Miami, execute the offensive game plan, execute the defensive game plan, execute the special teams game plan to a playoff pedigree, mindset, and expectation. Because, like I said, after Sunday, it's the playoffs, and you are locked and loaded for a playoff spot. Regardless where it falls, you need to be ready. You need need to be ready and on your A game come kickoff next week. I'll talk more about it on Friday, of course, but let's jump into some NFL scores from week 17. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to predict any of these scores. However, we did have an action-packed week 17 across the NFL. So let's start with the Bears and the Giants where the Bears defeated the Giants 29 to 3. No one really cares. Patriots defeated the Jags 50-10, as we did discuss. The Ravens lost to the Rams 20-19 at home, losing by one difficult, difficult loss because they needed that win to really help them stay in the playoff picture. They're still in it, but boy, they look on the outside looking in. Buccaneers defeated the Jets 28-24. As we all may know by now, the situation with Antonio Brown very very interesting i'm still not sure exactly what happened all i know is my um i'm sorry antonio brown was on the sideline having an argument with somebody i don't know if it was at mike evans but mike evans was with him i think it was again with a coach or whatever and mike evans was trying to calm him down a little bit so antonio brown starts to take off his pads and stuff and mike evans is trying to you know stop him from taking off because hey you can't do that out here. I mean, unless you're injured, you can't take your pads off. And next thing you know, Antonio Brown's got his pads off. He threw his pads at the bench. And he's walking off. He throws his undershirt in the crowd. I don't know who would want that. He throws his gloves in the crowd, and then he walks off, you know, waving goodbye, you know, peace signs everywhere. And then Bruce Arians said that Antonio Brown is no longer a Buccaneer. Hmm. Now, I want to know what the true story is. Antonio Brown's the kind of character that will come out and say something about it on, like, Instagram or, or Twitter or something. But what really – what started – until we have that answer, what on God's green earth started that? Was it with uh, Mike Evans? Was he arguing with Mike Evans? It didn't look like it from the videos that we've been able to see. It didn't look like it. I'm, I'm guessing that he had an argument with someone on the coaching staff, maybe Bruce Arians, coordinator, coach, somebody. And he just got absolutely ticked off. I mean, I want to know where Brady was. Where was Brady? Could he not have tried to calm him down and maybe like, hey, dude, put your pads back on. We still have a game to win. We're losing right now. Because they were losing 24-10, to 10, I believe, against the, the Jets. I think was the worst it was. But holy, I've never seen something like that. The closest thing I've seen to something like that is, I forget his name, but a player retired at halftime. I don't know if he was playing for the Bills or the Colts, but I think it was the Colts and Bills playing. And the dude retired at halftime. Team goes into the locker room, chat chat chat, go over the game plan, make adjustments, and they come back out. But he didn't come back out because he retired. I forget his name, but people if people know that story, they know exactly what I'm talking about. That's kind of what this felt like. So, no Chris Godwin, no Antonio Brown. Brady Brady had a lot of weapons at one point, and they're slowly, slowly dwindling down. But, hey, he still has Mike Evans. He still has Gronk. He still has Fournette. Actually, no, Fournette's injured. Nope, no more Fournette. He still has Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller. He still has some guys. But, boy, has that offense taken a really, really bad hit with no Godwin, no Brown, no Fournette, clearly. Holy smokes. We'll see what that team looks like moving forward. They were able to come back and win against the Jets, which shouldn't have been that hard of an accomplishment. But wow, what a crazy day in New York, let's say. What a crazy day. Atlanta Falcons lost to the Buffalo Bills 29-15 in Buffalo. The Cincinnati Bengals defeated the Kansas City Chiefs 34-31. With that win for the Bengals, they clinched the AFC North. And they also clinch a playoff spot as well. Chiefs lose their grasp on the 1 seed. As I believe the current 1 seed is the Tennessee Titans of all friggin' teams. How? I could not tell you. But that is the case. That with the Chiefs losing, it leaves the door open for the Patriots to get the number 1 seed. And it's a long shot. But like I said, the door is still open. Week 18 is going to absolutely be crazy. But Week 17, 34-3, the Titans over the Dolphins. That is what killed the Dolphins' hopes and dreams of a playoff spot was that loss, and it wasn't even a close loss. It was a crushing, devastating blowout kind of a loss in Tennessee. I still think the Dolphins have a lot of promise moving forward. Seven-game winning streak, nothing to laugh about because you yourself went on a seven-game winning streak, vaulted you back into the playoff picture. That's what the Dolphins tried to do, and they were in the playoff picture for a while. But unfortunately, this blowout loss just kind of caps off their season as now they're just going to be playing spoilers for the Patriots next week. Raiders 23, Colts 20 in Indianapolis. The Raiders keeping their playoff hopes alive with a win as the Raiders are still on the bubble as they're 9-7. They're 9-7. Looking on the outside, looking in. Uh, Colts moved down to 9-7 as they are currently still in the hunt for a playoff spot. If the season was to end today, they would have the 6th seed, Chargers the 7, Raiders the 8th seed. Obviously, the Raiders we in the 8th, would not be in the playoffs at all. Eagles win over the Washington football team in D.C. 20-16. That clinches a playoff spot for the Philadelphia Eagles as they are going to be going back to the playoffs with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. Chargers over the Broncos, 34-13. Big win for the Chargers. Devastating loss for the Broncos, who were hanging on by a thin rope in the playoff picture, but now they are officially out themselves. So with the season kind of coming to an end in these last couple weeks, we're starting to see teams get crossed off in terms of playoff contentions and playoff hopes. 49ers, 23. Texans, 7. Not really much there to talk about. Seahawks, 51. Lions, 29. I that, that's just a weird score. That is a really, really weird score. Fifty-one points. That's awesome. Twenty, giving up twenty-nine points though. Interesting, especially the Lions. The Lions of all teams. Imagine scoring twenty-nine points. Usually you kind of win with twenty-nine, close game. But your defense gives up fifty, and you walk out with a huge L, because you got blown out by twenty-two points, even though you scored twenty-nine. Oh, that's so funny. Cardinals over the Cowboys 25-22 to 22 in Dallas. Cardinals and Cowboys already locked themselves into the playoff spots. Actually, Cowboys, I believe, were already locked in, but the Cardinals, with that win, did lock themselves in, if I am correct on that. So Cardinals going back to the playoffs for the first time since 2015, I believe. Yes, 2015 was the last time they did make the playoffs. So good for them. Long time coming. Congratulations. Welcome to the playoffs. Tough elf for the Cowboys, though, as they lose their grasp on a top seed as they now move down to eleven and five, where the Rams and the Bucs move up to twelve and four, respectively. Packers with their win on Sunday night mainstay at the number one seed as they improve to thirteen and three. Panthers lost to the Saints 18-10 in New Orleans. Doesn't really matter. Both teams are eliminated. Correct? Correct? No, the Saints are still in. I apologize. The Saints are still in. So that is a massive win for the Saints. You know, I thought about cutting that out. I was like, no, no, no. True, genuine, unscripted podcast here. Wow, what a win for the Saints. Move up two spots to stay on the bubble as a bunch of other teams are eliminated. Who got eliminated? The Dolphins, the Browns, the Vikings, Falcons, Broncos, football team. I think all got eliminated this past week. Cuz the Bears, Seahawks and everyone below was already eliminated. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Vikings lost to the Packers 10 to 37. That was weird. 37 to 10. Big win for the Packers. Like I said, keep their keep their locked and loaded as the number 1 seed. But what an L for the Vikings as they are officially eliminated from the playoff contentions. And Monday Night Football will be between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Browns, like I just mentioned a few moments ago, are eliminated from the playoffs. However, the Steelers are still hanging on a thin, thin rope as they're 7-7-1. and That tie is crucial right now for them because if that was a loss, see you later. Obviously, if that was a win, that would be significantly helpful but wow. So let's look at the NFC picture first because obviously going into week 18 now, there's still a lot to be decided. Seeding, obviously who's going to win the AFC East, who's going to win the, let's see, the Titans lock the AFC South, Chiefs lock the AFC West, Bengals obviously lock the AFC North. So we just have two playoff spots to figure out And then some seeding to to work out. You know, let's go with the AFC because that you know that's the Patriots conference. So the Titans are currently number one. The Chiefs are currently number two. Bengals three. Bills are four, and the Patriots are currently the number five seed. As I mentioned a few few minutes ago, Colts are six. Chargers are seven. Raiders on the outside looking in at eight. The Ravens also on the outside looking in. At 10? And then Steelers are 11? Oh, I think because the Browns got eliminated, so there was like a gap there. How can the Patriots, now I've I've been alluding to this for a long time now, (laughs) how are the Patriots going to possibly get the number one seed when they currently sit at the fifth seed? They currently sit at five, but they can still make it to number one. Well, let's start with this. They have to win the AFC East first. Have to win the East first. In order for them to do that, they need to win over Miami, in Miami, right? And they also need the Buffalo Bills to lose to the New York Jets. Now, do the Jets want to play spoilers for the Patriots? I don't know. I doubt it. Do the Jets just want to lay over and let their interstate rival, you know, just demolish them and, you know, get the you know East crown? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't really know, but that's how the Patriots can win the AFC East. You got to win over Miami and you need the bills to lose to the jets. That's how you win the East. All right. If you're able to win the East with the bills losing to the jets and you winning over Miami, you can get the number one seed. If the Tennessee Titans lose to the Houston Texans. Okay. Makes sense. Probably not going to happen, but makes sense. And you need the Kansas City Chiefs to lose to the Denver Broncos. Probably also not going to happen. Since the Texans are out, the Broncos are out, they are probably packing in for next year. Could they play spoilers still? Yeah, but eh, how much motivation are they really going to have? Chiefs and Titans probably still going to be starting their main guys because they still have that number one seed to fight over. Just because the Titans currently have it does not mean they're locked and loaded to keep it. So there's a lot going on in week 18. The Buffalo Bills cannot get the number one seed due to the tiebreakers that they have with the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs because of conference record. However, the Patriots still can because if they do win, the Bills lose, Patriots would have a better record and their conference record would be better than the Bills hence why they would be able to get the number one seed if all these things go the right way. What what a crazy week in football we had this past week. What a crazy, crazy week. And I'm not even done. Let's talk about the NFC really quickly. Packers, number one. Rams, number two. Bucks number three. Uh, Cowboys, number four. Cardinals, number five. And the Eagles currently sit at number six. That is your current playoff picture for the NFC. The 49ers are still in the hunt, but they have not clinched a spot. And the New Orleans Saints, they're on the bubble, on the outside looking in. But they currently sit 8-8. They were once, I believe, 5-2. Then they lose Jameis Winston, and the wheels fall off the wagon. But here they are, 8-8. Still struggling, still surviving, though, for a playoff spot. Week 18 is going to be absolutely fun. It is going to be fun. And I'm going to go over score predictions, obviously, on Friday's episode. But the games I'm looking at, I'll just go over them now. Chiefs-Broncos, obviously. Uh, Where's the other one? Where's the other one? Titans-Texans. Obviously, I'm looking at that one. Jets-Bills. Duh. Patriots-Dolphins. Oh, I'll be watching that one. But another game I'm looking at, 49ers-Rams, because if the Rams win, 49ers lose, and the Saints beat the Falcons, then the 49ers are out. So the Saints-Falcons game is another game that I'm looking at as well. But those are all, everything I have to talk about in terms of football. We talked a bunch about football. We talked about the Patriots. We talked about their game against the Jags. We talked about NFL scores from Week 17 and, of course, the playoff picture as it currently sits exiting Week 17. What are your thoughts, though? How are you feeling about this Jaguars win? Are you feeling confident? Do you feel a little bit better after the win, or do you still feel nervous? Do you feel like this win proved nothing for the Patriots because it was against the Jaguars? Let me know in the comment section below if you're listening to this on YouTube. But if you're listening to this on audio-only platforms, reach out to me via social media at Murph's car town, because I would love to engage in a conversation with you about all the topics that we talked about thus far in today's episode, because it has been a lot. It's a lot to unpack because it is the end of towards the end of the regular season for the NFL. And a lot has happened teams getting locked in for the playoffs teams, getting eliminated teams, bouncing up and down in the standings in the division. We have a fun Week 18 to look forward to, and I cannot wait for it. So as we transition from football, let's talk about Major League Baseball and the lockout. We actually have an update in regards to the lockout between the Players Association and Major League Baseball itself. We do have an update, and I'm really excited to talk about this because as you guys know, I love baseball. as my favorite sport, and this lockout unfortunately needed to happen and with it finally here and it has been a gruesome month of December since the lockout on the second this whole month well, December 2nd that whole month of December was tough no movements no trades no this none of that no reports no news no nothing until now there's an article 48 minutes ago from CBS CBS Sports is and eh, but they do a decent job getting you basic information. So here we go. This is an article by Dane Perry. MLB lockout, four things to know as talks between owners and players to get serious in January. Not much has happened in the month since the owners locked out the players, but that should change soon. The owner lockout that has halted Major League Baseball has now spanned into its second month and the new year. There's been precious little movement on the major issues since the labor stoppage became official just after midnight on December 2nd, but the hopeful presumption is that the intensity of talks ramp up now that we're clear of the holidays. Given this important juncture, it's time for a reset and we're here to press that particular button. So as we move forward deeper into the off-season, and the owner lockout here are four considerations That set the scene for what's to come, and what's to come is, one, hopes, a new collective bargaining agreement, and a 2022 season that proceeds on schedule and in full. Alright, so the four things he highlights, one, talks should get serious in January, two, those core economics are complicated, three, the players may have some leverage for the time being, and four, time will soon be running short. This is a fairly quick article, so I'm, I'm gonna try to breeze through it for you. The radio silence since the owner lockout commenced is dully is duly noted, excuse me. But that's about to change. Here's part of a recent dispatch from Evan Drellick of the Athletic. Quote It's been a long December in the baseball world, and there's no reason to believe that's about to change. Major League Baseball and the Players Association are unlikely to talk core economics until January people with knowledge of the talks said. Drellick also reports that owners in the union before the new year were set to discuss matters of relatively lesser importance. That's notable because at the very least discussions took place even if those discussions didn't address the thornier issues upon which agreeing to a new CBA will hinge. At the very least, there's some communications and quote soft negotiation going on. Those core economics are complicated. What's ahead, however, is a veritable thicket. Given that the average player's salary has declined in the face of ever-soaring franchise values, the union wants to remake the economic structure of the game. The players' wish list is too expansive to be addressed in a single CBA negotiation, but you should expect that their energies will be focused on getting young players paid more and paid sooner. Younger players in terms of on-field value are, as a group, better than older players. But the antiquated salary structure, which is driven by tenure rather than capability, doesn't reflect that. Right now, almost all players are entitled to no more than the major league minimum until they have three years of MLB service time, at which point they become eligible for arbitration. Now I'm just going to stop right there. You guys know how much I hate the arbitration system. It is absolutely atrocious and obnoxious. I hate it with a passion. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. I understand it. I get it. It serves a purpose to a degree, but it is. Oh, it pisses me off. And what the what the uh, players want, the Players Association wants for its players, especially its younger players, are to get paid ASAP. I understand that contract renewability at the league minimum I like the idea, but I do want that number to be bumped because any player's first three years, you really don't know what kind of player they are. They could come up year one and be really, really good, and then year two they could suck because it was just kind of a, a one-off. Year one they could suck, but year two they could be fantastic. So now you need to prove it in year three. Well, are you the sucky person from year one or are you the good player from year two? Which ones are going to be? Hence, why the third year will kind of help give you a clearer picture. Same thing. If you're good in year one, but you suck in year two, all right. Well, now it's time to prove it in year three. Hence, why I do like the contract renewability. It gives a team three years to figure out what a player is actually worth, or how good they really are. Do they suck? Are they good? What what kind of player are they? But the but that number, that contract renewability number, that is the league minimum. That is asinine. Let me continue with the article. To put a damning point on it, American League finalist, American League MVP finalist, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. made just $605,400 this season compared to the current minimum of $570,500, which means he was underpaid relative to his production by tens of millions of dollars. Doesn't take a scientist to figure that one out. For the union this can be addressed in multiple ways the clear the clearest path would be to fight for a significant increase to the minimum salary right now major league baseball minimum trails those of the nfl nba and nhl and that's not a trend to, that's not a trend the players association should permit to continue in an ideal world the union would put a large chunk of its negotiation capital into doubling the minimum of thereabouts not only would such a jump in the minimum raise the uh, de facto salary floor by a significant margin, but it would also provide the underclass of players who never make it to arbitration in free agency with much more financial security. That's especially important as the average career length in MLB trends downward. In lieu of a major increase to the minimum, or in addition to, the players could angle to lower the bar for arbitration eligibility back to two years where it was during the early existence of the process and or press to lower the service time requirements for free agency. Now, I like that idea as well. I still think arbitration's kind of ass cheeks. I still don't think it's a really good uh, philosophy. If you want to kind of you know, have two years of contract renewability and then two years of arbitration. Sure, I guess. But now a player is still waiting four years to make, you know, the big potential big bucks instead of six, which is better. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't mind lowering the service time requirements for free agency. Maybe make it four years. Oh, I don't know. Just how about we just get rid of it? And let them hit free agency after, you know, three years. Maybe have one year of contract um, arbitration you know the 3 years of the service time, 1 year of arbitration where they can still make a little bit of money. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's so difficult to unpack and it's something I could sit here probably for 4 hours talking about. At the same time, discussions will be taking place on how to address the tanking phenomenon and the status of the luxury tax on payrolls moving forward. The owners are largely pleased with the status quo and will be resistant to such change. In matters related, they found, they're found they fond of making proposals that don't in any way address the player's leading concerns and that will remain an impediment when it comes to getting a new CBA. They These are complicated matters that won't be easily resolved, but these discussions have been going on for years, at least in general terms. There's at least a foundation in place even if there's much work to be done, and unfortunately that is the case. There's a lot of work to be done, to get this CBA signed, locked and loaded, for a full 2022 season. Number three, the players have some leverage for the time being. Negotiations leading up to the COVID-shortened 2020 season serve to galvanize the players, and the massive signings leading up to the owner lockout means less uncertainty for several high-profile free agents. All of that, in turn, makes it less likely that there will be divisions within the ranks of players. Beyond those factors, veteran players like union rep Max Scherzer sound fully committed to fighting for the rights of younger and less tenured players during these negotiations. That means fewer class schisms that management can exploit. Number 4. Time will soon be running short. Should we get into the second week of February or thereabouts without a deal, then the possibility of a compromised spring training becomes a concern. This again plays into the leverage that players may have right now. Spring training games at sites in Arizona and Florida have become a profit center for teams and they don't want to lose those games. Players, meantime, don't start getting checks until the regular season begins. So the prospect of a shortened spring training figures to increase pressure on the league side to get a deal done. That's a situation that bears close monitoring as discussions take on a more important tone in January. So, they're they're the four things right now that you need to know between the current talks or the current situation between the owners and the players. Now, oftentimes, uh, I've referred to the league or I've referred to the owners. They're the same thing. The owners own the league because they own a team and 30 teams make up the league. So... It's it's all across. It's the same across all sports. It's not just baseball. Like the NFL comprises of thirty-two league owners and a commissioner, right? NHL thirty-two teams and a commissioner. Basketball thirty teams and a commissioner. Baseball thirty teams and a commissioner. That's just how it is. So don't don't be confused when you know it says owner lockout or the league lockout, the teams da 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 da. It's all the same. The only separate entity here are the players association the players that play as really the only separate entity here so to unpack all of that how do i feel currently right now moving forward after reading such article i don't feel good i really don't because as i've mentioned here and there leading up to the lockout and right when it happened the players association and the union are so far apart i'm sorry not the union the league the players association and the league they're so far apart. It seems like one's in California and one's in Antarctica. That's how far they're apart. I honestly think that talks should have happened in December. Me personally, get it going now because how long is it going to take? No one knows. No one knows how long it's going to take. It could take a week. It could take a month. It could take three months. We don't know. We've seen seasons being shorn because of a lockout before. We've seen it in the NHL. We've seen it in the NBA. We've seen it in baseball before. It's a shitty situation to be in, especially for the fans. Because at the end of the day, the fans, the money-spending fans, are the ones that suffer. They can't watch the product. They can't watch their fans. They can't love the team, the player, the sport that they love. Obviously, the 30 billionaires want to make their money. I understand that. The, I don't know how many players there are, but all the players in baseball want to make their money and be respected. I understand that too. How can they come to a compromised deal that works in favor of everybody? That's the difficult question here. That's what we're stuck facing with. Because the players want one thing, but the owners think it's unfair to them. And the owners want one thing, but the players say it's unfair to them. There's so many mouths to feed, and there's not a lot of food at the table. How can they get this deal done? Well, from my perspective, you've heard me talk about it a million times. I hate the arbitration process. Why can't we just get rid of it? What purpose does arbitration serve to the owners and to the teams that you get to keep a player under team control for three extra years, but you're potentially still paying them like 20-something million dollars? Like, I understand that, it like, it works out and, like, it can serve your benefit. But at the same time, the player's kind of unhappy. Something could happen. If you get rid of it, you know, have one year of it. You can have two years of arbitration and two years of contract renewability, and that totals four. I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. I still think it's a little egregious to four years but it's a lot better than five or six years of team control. Ideally, I would like it to just be contract renewability for three years. If you would present to me contract renewability for two and arbitration for one, I would jump on board with that in a heartbeat. Matter of fact, I might enjoy that more. I might enjoy that more because going back to my example between a player sucking in year one, but performing good in year two, or a player doing good in year one and sucking in year two, year three, you have arbitration you're like all right you performed at a 10 million dollar level in in this year and a two million dollar level in that year let's kind of meet somewhere in the middle call it five and a half can you agree to that six six and a half kind of meet in the middle you go for one year and see what the true potential is therefore the player makes their money the team gets to keep them for a fairly cheap price And you get to see what kind of player you have in year three. Are they the shitty player or are they the really good player? You'll get to see which one they are. See kind of law of averages after three seasons. I actually like that a lot better. Two years of contract renewability and then one year of arbitration. That's where I stand on it. Obviously, the league and maybe even the Players Association would have a different feel about it. But with January now here, and we are on January 3rd, 2022, the league and the players association needs to have a conversation. They need to start discussing things now because like I mentioned a couple minutes ago at this point, we don't know how long this is going to take. You could sit down and have one fancy dinner with the players association and the league and maybe figure things out right then and there over the course of one dinner. I Doubt it. Okay, maybe it takes a couple days. Maybe it takes a whole week. But with what I'm seeing and what I'm reading and how I'm feeling that both sides are so far apart, I don't think it's going to take one week. I can see this thing taking two, three, four, a month. And therefore, we're pushing ourselves into February. And what's in February? Pitchers and catchers reporting. I don't know if the season's going to be impacted or not but the longer this takes for them to simply have a conversation the more and more likely it is going to be that the season the 2022 regular season will be impacted or at least spring training i'll say at least spring training because they'd rather cut out a week of spring training or cut out two weeks of spring training and have a full season i'm guessing (laughs) i'm guessing if the, if both sides are truly so far apart then this is something that needs to be alarming because if they don't start say in the middle of january what if it takes a month now we're looking at impacting spring training if this if the conversations don't start to the end of january and it takes about negotiations take about a month now we're looking at you know loss of games in spring training And I'm not saying they have to figure this out overnight. I don't want them to figure it out overnight. I want them to take some time to talk, discuss, understand how each side feels, and try to come up with the best CBA agreement for both the league and the players. I want them to take some time. I want them to take like a week or two. I want the game of baseball to come out better on the other side of this lockout than it was on the former side but they need to start having a conversation and talking now in order to uphold the integrity of the 2022 season because the longer that this lockout goes with no conversations, the more significant the impact will be on the 2022 season. So there's my giant baseball rant for probably the month. It seems like I'm talking about baseball once a month just because of the lack of of news, the lack of headlines and information that is being dispersed between here and there. Unfortunately, that is the only article that I've really seen in terms of baseball updating us about the current situation in a really long time, probably since the lockout first got installed. Hopefully between now and maybe Friday there's a little bit more news, or maybe between now and next Monday's episode, a little bit more news would be nice. I don't know. We're just gonna have to wait and see. We're at the mercy of of the league and the players association unfortunately us the fans have to suffer hopefully that doesn't last for all too much longer but like i mentioned i don't mind them taking some time talk discuss and make major league baseball a better product for 2022 and the seasons following that than it was in 2021 and the seasons before that so take some time but start the conversation now so you have ample time to take. So you have enough time to take things slow and just kind of check things off as you go about the checklist for both sides, right? Let's transition to back. Let's pivot. You know, let's take a, a a pivot or you know pivot, spin, dribble, pivot, spin, dish, get the ball. You know, pump fake, pivot, go to the hoop, to basketball. Jalen Brown dropped 50 points in 46 minutes as the Celtics won 116-11 over the Orlando Magic in yesterday's game. A great win for the Celtics against a terrible Magic team. However, it was good to see them come out on top. They came from behind to win, not only in overtime, but it was a good win nonetheless. They're still without Jason Tatum, 50 from Jalen Brown, 17-7-7 from Marcus Smart. 21 points from Dennis Schroeder, 9 from Josh Richardson. That's really it. Without Jalen Brown, you don't win that game. That's just a fact. Now, would you have won that game if Tatum was playing and not Brown? I don't know. But Jalen Brown is playing very nicely without Tatum these past couple of games. They won against the Sun, the Sun uh, the Suns the other day. They won against the Magic yesterday. I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh my God, the Celtics are such a better team without Jason Tatum. Trey Tatum, keep Brown. I'm not going to say that. I've said plenty of times, I want both players. I want them both to work. If I had to pick one to trade, I would probably have to say Jalen Brown, unfortunately. I love Jalen Brown. I just think Tatum is that much better. But Jalen Brown is kind of, proving us wrong and he's kind of making a name for himself here. He's been a lethal weapon for us these past couple of games. He seems to be a leader and he says the right things. Big, t- big game for the Celtics against the Spurs on Wednesday to try to help reach uh, get them back to five hundred. I hate talking about the Celtics when they suck, but it's just such a muddling middle of the pack right now across the NBA. Let's see, the the 76ers are 19 and 16, and then the Hawks are 16 and 19, and you're right dab in the middle. There's just so much going on between the six seed 76ers who are five and a half games from first place, and the 12 seed Hawks who are eight and a half games back from first place. So only three games separates One, two, three, four, five, 6, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven spots in the Eastern Conference. It is tight, and you're right in the middle of it. And you need to play your best basketball right now. You have to. Because if you don't, you're going to slip and slide and fall back into the pack. And if you do that, because it's so jammed tight in this conference, I don't know if you're going to be able to climb out of it because this team is not built like that. I mentioned it after their West Coast road trip when they came back home after 27 games into the regular season saying that they were done, I'm done with them, and that they were out. They're still in it I also said that I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to kind of make a season out of it and they are but just with the expectations that we have as Celtics fans being in Boston being in New England they're currently failing us the talent that they have on this team should be a better product and that is true could a trade help this team absolutely but who I've given you tons of examples before John Wall you know a Rondo type player a chris paul type player, a legitimate big man. Al Horford's nice, but he's limited. You bring in a big man like Karl Anthony Towns, obviously you have to, you know, mortgage the future a little bit, but you bring him in. What about Damian Lillard, someone that wants to potentially be out of Portland? What would you have to give up for him? There's at, there's stars across the league that could help your team. And no, it's not Ben Simmons. No, stop saying it's Ben Simmons. People think I like Ben Simmons. I don't know why. They know I don't like Ben Simmons. Uh, Damanis Sabonis from the Pacers has also been a name that's kind of come up here and there. I really do think that the Celtics still have the potential to do something good this year. They're currently the 9th seed. They have the potential to make a little bit of noise, but they need help. They cannot do it with the roster they currently have. Brad Stevens made an abundance of moves over the offseason his first year as the GM, well, the President of Basketball Operations. He made a ton of moves. We need him to make a move now. Just one. That's all I'm asking is just one move. Get this team better for now. The future is nice. Okay? We will see the future. But right now, you have two young stars who is supposed to be your future. There's no need to worry about a twenty. 20- 24 first round draft pick because your future is here in front of you in Brown and Tatum they should be your future they are your future and that's one thing I did not like about Danny Ainge he protected and kept those first round draft picks I don't mind him coveting draft picks I think trading for all those first round draft picks if you were able to is a smart move but you have to cash them in I've done this exercise before where I've looked at past draft picks for the Celtics And I've told you which ones have been a bust. And it's been about 80% of them suck. They bust. They're terrible. You haven't seen them on the team in probably one year. They're that bad. Okay? But now your future is your present. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who have been your future for the past handful of seasons, four or five seasons, they have been your future. They are your future, but they're also your present. And you need to address the present state of the Boston Celtics and how do you do that you go out you bring in a third star you thought it was Kemba Walker when you brought him in two years ago he had his nice moments but he also had moments where he was abysmal and he sucked okay you need another player like that a third player I thought Kemba was gonna be a really good fit here locker room guy he can go out and score when needed he can be a ball handler a floor general he had his moments But ultimately, it wasn't him. The knee was a little too much, and he ended up sucking. You need to go out and find someone that can be a ball handler, a floor general, someone that can give you 25 a night if needed. Maybe a little bit of defense would be nice as well because you can never go wrong with having too much good defense on your team, especially when you start, you know, towards the end when the season ramps up, playoffs and teams are better. Who is that going to – who is the Celtics – 2022 Kemba Kyrie Isaiah Thomas going to be who is it going to be and I say those three guys because those guys were brought in to be scorers to be leader I don't say Isaiah Thomas was brought in to be a leader but he eventually turned in to be a leader to be a floor general someone that can grab you buckets when needed but they can also dish the ball who is that going to be for the 2022 Celtics because that's all I care about right now is finding someone that can do that. I think the Celtics have a great core between Brown, Tatum, Smart. Um, Oh, what's his name? Well, I can't think of his name. Um, Oh, Grant Williams. Thank you. Josh Richardson, Marcus Smart, Dennis Schroeder. Nice core of guys right there. But if you got to peel two of them off whose names aren't Brown and Tatum, To bring in or to help bring in that third player, you have to do it. And I think I think Brad Stevens will do it. I mean, the guy traded for, I forget his name now. I think his last name, oh, Moses Brown without Horford when they traded away Kemba to Oklahoma. And then like a month later, he trades Moses Brown. So he's not afraid to just flip guys. Now, is he afraid to flip guys that he's attached to? Maybe a Horford, maybe a Marcus Smart. Maybe, but he has flipped Carson Edwards. We've seen that, and you know he coached him for a couple of seasons. He, he's not attached to new guys because we were able to see him flip Moses Brown. In a heartbeat. Brad Steven, Brad Stevens, excuse me, was a fantastic GM over the summer, when you needed to rebuild and reshape this team. He did that. However, you're still kind of muddling in the middle From even if you didn't make any moves. If you brought the same team back from last year, would you still be in the same spot? More than likely. I don't see you being better. I would like to think you wouldn't be worse than last year if you didn't make any moves from last year or this year. But with all the moves you've made, you're still in the same exact spot. Celtics need to go out and make a splash. What's a splash? Obviously, a Damian Lillard, John Wall, those are splashes. How attainable are they? Carl Anthony Towns is a splash. But how attainable are they? Can you go out there and get a Demonis Sabonis for cheaper? Yeah. Is he going to help your team? Absolutely. But is he going to make you that much better? Is he going to make you better than the 76ers, better than the Heat, better than the Bucks? Probably not. But he's definitely going to be a great first step. But do you want to dump your assets into Sabonis to just become, I don't know, three teams better in the standings? Or do you want to try to dump your assets and some to get even further? It just depends on what you want to give up, what Stevens is comfortable giving up. I know a lot of people from hearing on the radio, coming into the shop, they want to move Brown, they want to move Smart, they want to move Horford, they Schroeder, Richardson, even Tatum. They want to move them all. Not all at the same time. They want to keep Brown or Tatum. But everyone else that I mentioned, they have no problem moving them all. And good for them. That's gutsy. That is very ballsy. Will Brad Stevens do that? I doubt it. But I would definitely like to see a little bit of movement on this Celtics team. Because right now, currently you're sitting at the nine seed. I mean, you'll be in the play in game, which is cool. You'll play the Wizards, who you beat last year in the play in game. But other than that, I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. You might be able to beat the Wizards in the playing game, make it to the 8th seed, and then get absolutely blown out by the Bulls. That's how I see your season going if the season was to end today. And that is an absolute failure of a season. Last year, you ran into the Nets and you failed because you lost in the first round in five games. Celtics were in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. We need to get back into legitimate playoff contention to make a statement in this league and to show people that the Celtics can be taken seriously. Because right now, I don't think people think the Celtics are a serious playoff contender. I know a lot of people around here want to believe they are. A lot of people around here think they are. But I also know a lot of people around here say they're just frauds. And Depending on what happens this year in terms of trade, the trade deadline, what players they bring in, and how the season ends, we're going to see if they are frauds or if they're an actual playoff contending team. There, there's my rant about the Celtics. I know they're, they've won two in a row. They're two of three on this homestand with the... Who are they playing? Who are they playing? They're playing... Who are they playing tonight? They are playing the Spurs... To, not tonight. On Wednesday, they're playing the Spurs... tip-off. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes, and I'm not going to look ahead because it's just the Celtics are just, ugh. They pull out a good win against the Suns. You feel good about them, but then you look at the big picture, and you're just like, ugh. Then you win in overtime to the Atlanta Magic, and you're like, oh, it's a win. That's awesome. But then you look at the big picture, and it's like, ugh. It's tough to be excited about the Celtics right now. It really is. But if they can string some wins together, go on a nice hot streak, and make some legitimate moves then I think people will be able to buy in right now the Celtics honestly feel like the Red Sox at the beginning of the season when the Red Sox lost three straight to the Orioles to open the season they were kind of muddled in the middle for you know early part of April then they start playing well and then people start to like them again but at the beginning of the season people were just like meh meh it's the Red Sox meh they sucked last year meh they're going to suck this year meh like that's kind of what this, you know, that's kind of what Celtics fans are kind of, you know, vibing off. Like, meh, Celtics, meh. Like, oh, they, yeah, they, uh, they made it to the playoffs, but they lost the first round, meh. They'll probably make it this year, but they'll probably lose in the play-in, Neh. It's like, what, what is it gonna take? What do they need to do? Well, clearly, a lot to kind of get you excited about the Celtics, woo! But we haven't seen any of that yet from, not from the team and from the fan base, and the fan base deservingly so, because the team hasn't given you any reason to get excited like that. But there's my Celtics minute. Obviously, there's a ton more that we could talk about for the Patriots, the Celtics, obviously, but teams that we didn't get to in terms of the Bruins, and obviously the Red Sox, who there's really nothing to talk about in terms of the Red Sox. But that's everything that I had to talk about in today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed episode 118 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Again, I do apologize for the terrible terrible cancellation of Friday's episode of Merce Boston Sports Talk I it absolutely pained me to do it I just I ran out of time in the day I couldn't get to recording I couldn't even record like a you know a 20 minute episode but even if I could I I wouldn't want to give you a 20 minute episode because you guys deserve more than that You guys deserve a good informational filled and you know exciting episode and I didn't want to rush and give you a a half-assed uh, product and I really think you guys would appreciate that and can understand that hence why the extended episode today where we talk so much about the Patriots the lockout and most recently the Celtics but that is going to wrap it up for today's episode I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you did definitely let me know on social media at Murph's car town reach out to me let me know what you think about today's episode give me your thoughts question comments concerns opinion anything you want to discuss a debate or even have an argument about. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, please smash that thumbs up button if you enjoyed today's episode. Comment any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to discuss, chat, or even argue about in the comment sections below as I'd be absolutely excited to do so. And if you are new to the channel and haven't considered subscribing, please smash that giant red subscribe button as I would greatly appreciate the love and support on the channel as well but that's going to do it for today's episode I am looking forward to Friday's episode where we will talk obviously about the Patriots and Dolphins week 18 in the NFL and then maybe any more baseball update that we have among other topics as well but that's going to do it for this one I will catch you in the next episode but between now and then you guys know that I love you and I will always always see you